Well, good morning. As Sean mentioned at the very beginning, uh, I'm going to pivot slightly this morning and uh, from our sermon series, The Unexpected Messiah, uh, turning to just a magnificent book from the New Testament, kind of my personal favorite, uh, the book of Hebrews, which is unique in, in one way because the author uh, is a mystery, um, and it is just a, truly a remarkable book, a very bold book, a, a book just speaking all about uh, the new covenant, the, the better covenants, uh, the better way uh, in, in Christ. So we're going to look at uh, a passage from Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. So uh, please uh, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, uh, or follow along on the screen. This is God's word. It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the revelation that is your word. Uh, we thank you for the words of salvation that are found in your word, the transformation uh, that comes from your word. So we pray this morning that you would speak to us, that you would uh, be present uh, with us in a powerful way uh, with your Holy Spirit. As we consider these words, uh, as we consider and reflect um, on Jesus Christ. Um, so help us to see him, uh, help us to praise him, uh, and love him this morning. In your name we pray, amen. So I enjoy doing some, some running. I know some of you do uh, as well. Um, and so every now and then I like to uh, sign up for a race and, and take part in that. And so the city of Baltimore, uh, every fall in October, has the, the Baltimore Running Festival. And it really is a, a remarkable event uh, in the city. Thousands of, of runners you know, come out and participate in various races. And of course, all kinds of people line the streets and, and watch uh, the races. Uh, some people don't like it as much if, if you live maybe right in the city and, and maybe forget that it's happening and trying to go somewhere. Uh, good luck uh, with that. Um, so, but it's, uh, it's really a wonderful event. And so uh, one of the races that I had done in this festival some years ago started off pretty well, you know, felt pretty good, and, and then pretty early on in the race, uh, my body started feeling it. You know, the pain set in, the aches set in, and really for the rest of the race, I had to, to deal with these aches and pains, and it was, it was not the most uh, fun race. And, and looking back, it was hard to say exactly what it was. Sometimes you don't know. Uh, I, I did happen to, to change my shoes maybe a little bit close to the race, closer than I should have. That could have been part of it or maybe it was diet or a combination of things. Uh, sometimes you don't know. Uh, but whatever it was, I had to endure that unpleasantness you know, for most uh, of the race uh, until I crossed that finish line and completed it. Well, so in this passage from Hebrews 12, the author uh, talks about a race, but a, a different kind uh, of race than a physical race, a race that, that all Christians run. And so we'll consider three things this morning 
uh, as we look at this passage. Uh, the first thing that we will reflect on is that we are surrounded by witnesses. So if you look in, in verse 1, uh, the first word, therefore, it's one of those important words uh, in Scripture. It's uh, a connecting kind of word. So whenever you see it, you say, okay, what came right before you know, this verse or right before this passage? So the therefore in verse 1 here is, is taking us back to the previous chapter in Hebrews 11, which describes the, uh, what is commonly referred to as the hall of faith or the heroes of the faith. And so this author of Hebrews, uh, again, who is who's a mystery, uh, he or she describes a quite uh, the impressive list of, of men and women from the Old Testament and their different spiritual journeys. The list includes Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, David, even Samson, who you know, we might see and maybe question a little bit. Really, Samson made that list, um, but, there, but there are even others, you know, quite the remarkable names there. And so these men and women from these Old Testament pages, uh, the author describes them as, as witnesses. Uh, and so we hear that word witness, and maybe our minds go automatically to someone who's uh, witnessing something, who's, who's spectating you know, something, who's, who's watching something unfold before them. You know, we think of a race or we think of some kind of sporting event, right, in, in pro or, or college and the, the spectators or the fans that, that fill the stands. But really here, the, the word witness uh, has a, a different kind of meaning. Uh, it's one who bears witness to something. So these men and women from the Old Testament, they, they bore witness to something, uh, and that something was the essence of a life of faith, the essence of a godly life, uh, doing so with their endurance and their loyalty. And, and really, they, they were bearing witness ultimately to not just a life of faith, but, but to God's faithfulness to them and to us. Hebrews 11.4 says about Abel that he still speaks even though he is dead. Uh, that's pretty amazing. And so, still with Hebrews 11, uh, these men and these women, these lives that they lived, they lived them by faith. And so we think of their lives and we think of the incredible experiences that these individuals have. And they went about their lives living them by faith. And so Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, says this about faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So it's this faith that enables us to perceive the unseen reality that God promises uh, you know, we think about going about life and we think about our world and, and just the things that we see immediately before us. Uh, we think about the worship of, of pleasure that is, is so much a part of the world. We, we think about the evil that just seems to pervade every part of life sometimes. But it, it's, it's faith that enables us to believe that the spiritual realities of, of God's kingdom are just as real as the physical world that we live in now. 
So these Old Testament heroes, uh, heroes that Hebrews 11 speaks of, uh, they are commended for having looked beyond their present reality, beyond their present situation. And, and their lives sometimes included violence, uh, suffering, even impending death. You know, they, they did not always lead easy lives, but they believed in, in the promises that God gave. And even though they died, having not received all of those promises in their earthly lives. So we have these extraordinary lives and these examples that the, the heroes of faith from Hebrews 11 uh, tells us about. So we ask ourselves, how do we effectively uh, run this race? After all, we want not just to run, but we want to run well, right? I mean, if you've run a race or have participated in some kind of athletic event or endeavor or any kind of competition, uh, think about anything in your lives. Or if you've uh, witnessed a family member or a friend run a race or participate in some kind of event, you, know, you want them to, to do well in whatever it is. So how do we run well? So that brings us to the second thing this morning, and that is that we run with endurance. Uh, the author of Hebrews uh, lets us know, you know how we're to do this, and, and he says that we must free ourselves from excess weight, from distractions which would slow us down in running this race. You know, once again, uh, picture the runner, right? Even if you don't enjoy running, right? Just, just picture a runner and, and what does he or she seek to do in, in running the race? Uh, to wear comfortable clothing, athletic clothing, you know, clothing that's not going to slow you down, that's not going to, to hamper you. Uh, you know, think about how silly it would be if, if you showed up in winter clothing in, in a race, you know, jackets and, and layers of, of clothing or rain with a bearskin or, or something that, that's heavy, that's, that's encumbering. Um, it just doesn't make sense. You want to run uh, with lightness and, and free of, of, of excess weight. So we think about in a, a spiritual kind of way, you know, what these weights and distractions might include. And they very well may be uh, good things in and of themselves that distract us or, or weigh us down from running this race. Perhaps it's something that God wants us to, to sacrifice or maybe just lessen in our lives. Maybe it's for a season of time. Uh, you know, we think about the Lent season right now, and, and you know, some of us have, have chosen to give up something. Uh, sometimes, you know, maybe it's not quite the sacrifice that we make it out to be, right? I'm going to give up dark chocolate but still eat milk chocolate, you know, something like that. Um, but but it, might, it might involve taking a, a spiritual kind of inventory in our lives and when we try to think about these distractions and, and what are the weights um, for us personally, it might not be the same for each one of us. Uh, there might also be wisdom in, in seeking out a brother or a sister and, and saying, brother, sister, you know, maybe what's a, a weight or distraction that, that you see in my life that I can, can give to the Lord because we don't often see what others might see. We must also seek to free ourselves from, from fears that cripple us in the midst of difficulty, uh, from, from bitter or discouraging attitudes that affect us and affect each other and do harm to the body of Christ, or from uh, a sensuality that looks to be immediately gratified from the pleasures of life, 
once again, thinking about the culture that we live in, where we're just bombarded at times with that message of, of instant gratification. Sometimes we just cannot seem to escape it. And so uh, we seek to, to give that to the Lord and, and seek deliverance from that. Uh, listen to the words of Jesus that, that he speaks from Luke 21, 34. He says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. You know, we think about the various anxieties which do plague us, and, and these are things that can also you know, weigh us down in a spiritual kind of way as we seek to live this life of faith. We're also to lay aside sin. And though the author doesn't mention a specific kind of sin, he, he or she seems to be speaking of sin in a general kind of way, uh, we can certainly bring to mind specific sins, and, and one such sin is, is the sin of, of coveting. And I think if we're honest, we would all say we very much struggle with, with coveting, and that absolutely is a hindrance in running the race. John Calvin famously said that our hearts are idle factories. God created us to, to desire him and to desire him alone, but our sinful natures have so twisted and disordered these desires so that we, we run after things which are, which are evil and which are contrary to God's will for us. And so that comes back to what we participated in earlier in the service, the confession of, of sin. You know, we do so uh, together in the, in the context of the worship service, but the, the life of faith involves uh, continually confessing our sins uh, before God. And friends, to be sure, these kinds of practices, they, they take discipline, right? They, they don't happen automatically. They don't happen overnight. Uh, again, think about anything that you would train for, you know, whether it's athletics or some kind of work or school situation, anything that you look to be to more skilled at or to be more proficient in, uh, it takes time. It, it takes practice. And sometimes that process can even be painful at times. So then how do we, how do we navigate all this? You know, how do we, who do we turn to? All right, well, that brings us to the third thing this morning, and that is, as the author tells us to do, uh, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, who uh, is the founder and perfecter of our faith, as you see in verse 2. You know, these very few words are just absolutely full of meaning, teaching us that Jesus is responsible not just for the beginning of our faith, but also for the end of our faith and everything in between. You know, I think we would all admit that sometimes we look to cut corners with, with things here or there. I know that I certainly do, um, but it is not so with God. God never cuts corners. He, he takes everything to completion, everything to perfection, and that includes our very lives, our lives of faith. Now, part of the reason that this author of Hebrews uh, wrote to these early Christians was to encourage them in the midst of adversity that they were facing, uh, public abuse, and it's even thought that some of them had their property plundered just because they named the name of Christ. So the, the author was looking to uh, encourage them and say, look, to Jesus, uh, even in the midst of these very, very difficult things that you are going through. 
And it's through Jesus, through his life of obedience that he lived for us. His sacrificial death that he died for us on our behalf, taking our sin and guilt and shame upon his own shoulders. It's in this that Christ took faith to perfection. Here in the English Standard Version, uh, the word is, is founder, uh, but another word for founder is author. And uh, from the Greek, the original language, the word is translated as captain. So, I don't know, think of your favorite captain. I don't know if you, if you have one. Um, the captain of a ship or uh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek. I don't know why he comes to mind, but um, think of, you know, some captain, right? And how a stellar captain is that picture of, of strength, uh, of an example to follow, uh, one who endures adversity, not only with his or her shipmates, but, but for them. And so it's Jesus as our captain who endured the cross. And so we think about the cross, and we think about you know, what it signified. Um, we think about what it meant, and, and there was a shame to the cross. Uh, crucifixion was a form of death that was reserved really just for the, the, the lowliest in society, you know, those people that, that others saw as less human. Uh, it was a form of execution that was so degrading that Roman citizens were actually exempt from uh, crucifixion because of its brutality. It had everything to do with indignity. And this is the, the form of death that Jesus went to and experienced. Commentator F.F. F. Bruce uh, says this, quote, the whole life of Jesus was characterized by unbroken and unquestioning faith in his heavenly father, and never more so than when in Gethsemane he committed himself to his father's hands for the ordeal of the cross with the words, not what I will, but what thou wilt. It was sheer faith in God, unsupported by any visible or tangible evidence that carried him through the taunting, the scourging, the crucifying, and the more bitter agony of rejection, unquote. Friends, Jesus is that captain of our faith. He has blazed the path, as it were, enduring physical and spiritual suffering, the worst form of death and separation from God, his Father, so that we don't have to, even though we deserve it because of our sin. Furthermore, uh, Hebrews 12.2 tells us that Christ did it for the joy that was set before him, the joy that was to be rewarded to him, the exaltation that awaited him after the humiliation of dying on the cross, the joy of becoming the savior of his people, the reward of having that place of authority at God's right hand. And here's what's even more amazing, friends, is that that Jesus did not want to just keep that joy for himself, but he wanted us to share in that same joy, to share in the joy of of being his people, of being restored to fellowship with him and enjoying that now in part and then in full in the life to come, having fellowship with God forever and ever and ever. Now, if we had it our way, uh, we think about our lives, we would probably choose the path of, of least resistance, right? We would probably want to avoid difficulties if it were up to us. 
to attain this completion of our faith. But we know that's not the way it is, right? We know it's not the path that Jesus took uh, as he submitted himself to suffering, as he gave up his life so that we could be free from sin and be restored to fellowship with God. Make no mistake, God wants to give us good things. He loves to give us good things. He's so generous. He wants to prosper us. But ultimately, he's making us more like Christ. He's conforming us to the image of his very son. And that is something to praise God for. And so part of this this race of faith that we are running is a race that means endurance and, and perseverance is required to progress to that end that God is bringing us to. I think back to that, that race that I was in that uh, was difficult because my body started to, to, to ache and I started to have those pains. And I just remember thinking at, at moments in that race, I wanted nothing more than just to, to stop and, and to be done with it and, and to not have to deal with it anymore. But then if I had done that, I wouldn't have finished. I wouldn't have crossed the finish line. I wouldn't have reached that goal that was, right, the idea of, of running is you want to finish, you want to cross that line. So it was in those moments when the pain was the worst, when the aches you know, were the most intense, when I was laboring for oxygen, that I just kept thinking about that finish line, kept thinking about that finish line, and the relief and the joy that I would experience when I did cross it and finish the race. And I did not come close to uh, you know, setting the personal best as far as my time in that race, but, but I think about that race and I say, you know what, maybe it was the most rewarding of, of the races that I've done uh, because of, of what I had to endure and get through. Well, brothers and sisters, uh, we cannot run this race that the, the author of Hebrews describes and run it effectively on our own, in our own strength. We will fall short of the goal if we seek to, to do it in our own steam. We must continually look to Jesus, resting in him, resting in his love, resting in his strength. Uh, I love this quote from Tim Keller. He says, quote, but the gospel transforms us, so our self-understanding is no longer based on our own performance in life. We are so evil and sinful and flawed that Jesus had to die for us. We were so lost that nothing less than the death of the divine Son of God could save us. But we are so loved and valued that he was willing to die for us. The Lord of the universe loved us enough to do that. So the gospel humbles us into the dust and at the very same time exalts us to the heavens. We are sinners, but completely loved and accepted in Christ at the same time, unquote. So friends, let us run this race. Uh, to be sure, it's difficult at times. Sometimes we do just want to give up. Uh, but we don't run alone. We run alongside each other as brothers and sisters in the faith, as, as fellow sons and daughters in Christ. And more than that, we run knowing that Jesus has run this race perfectly and is bringing us to the finish line, which is eternal life, blessed life with him in heaven. So look to Jesus, trust in him, rest in him. Let's pray.